preach when I opened the box, but since we don't have the blacktop done yet, and I just prayed, and it's Easter next Sunday. This is a sermon God's kind of give, come out of nowhere. That's usually the best ones. That's how he gives them to you. But I don't know about you, but how many of you has ever said, Lord, where are you at? Don't you see what's going on? Why aren't you helping me? And, you know, we live in times where there's a lot of people that says, where is your God? If he is a God, why ain't he doing what y'all say he does? Why ain't he working? Why ain't he making a difference? And Habakkuk, the prophet, lived in a day just like that. It was terrible times. It sounds very familiar to just what we are. I don't know how your week started last week, but I had hurt my arm, and I found out at the end of the week I didn't, wasn't going to be able to get to surgery. And then Monday comes around, and I found out some things was going on with the blacktop. We were going to have to go talk. I don't know about y'all, but how many of you hates to have to confront or to go places where there's possibility for contention or something? I don't like all that stuff. My least favorite part of being a pastor is when you have to go and deal with things that are uncomfortable, that you love to shun. But I had some things on my mind and other things, and I was already kind of feeling sorry for myself. So I get up Tuesday morning, I said, before I go, would you cut my hair, Diane? She said, you need it. It's longer than it's been in forever. And so we talking about some things going on, and we encouraging one another and doing what a husband and wife in the ministry do. And she's got the little thing with the guard on it, and she buzzes my head, and she takes the guard off, and she starts to trim my neck. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to take a shower, and then they're going to dig up the parking lot today, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to go up there to see what's going on. And she decides there was some hair she missed, and she forgot to put the guard back in, and, and she goes, oh, my God, and she starts crying. When your wife starts crying and you felt sucked up yet, you know it ain't good. I look at the mirror and I'm like, oh, oh. And, and then she's like, I'm so sorry. Oh, I didn't go to God. Oh. I said, I can't get mad, Lord. She's already hysterical. And I'm looking in the mirror. I can't believe this. And I said, well, the only thing you can do is cut the rest off. I can't. I can't. Oh. She's like shaking. I grabbed the clippers from her and in frustration, I'm, and I'm looking in the mirror, and she's, so y'all better not make fun of me, she might slap you for my bald head. Y'all know what happened recently. But all kidding aside, I said, well, it ain't going to get no worse than this. I'll make the best of it. Oh, Diane, it'll grow back. I did all the things a good husband does. Don't worry about it, baby. Don't mean nothing. And this done had a week's growth. So anyway, I leave there, and the phone ring, Bart says, you need to get up here. They got problems. What? We had been told that the problem was solved, and they came to do the blacktop, and when they dug it out, water starts gushing in. So I get up here, and I'm looking at it, and he said, we can't fix it. We can't do nothing until y'all fix this. And I'm like, Lord, where are you at? What has happened? You was blessing us a week ago. Where'd you go? You ever felt like that? God, don't you see what's going on? Can't you make this water quit? But you know, 
just because sometimes we don't see God working, and a lot of times we're so emotional and feeling, we got to feel he's there, and we want to feel him. And, but friend, I'm going to tell you, sometimes walking with God, you can't see where he's working. And if you always got to feel him, you're going to be tossed to and fro like the wind because that's what feelings do. They're up, they're down, they're everywhere. You see, you got to get to a point where you believe he's working because he says I'm working. And together you see it or feel it, Jesus said, if you'll come to me and trust me, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I will be with you even until the end of the age. And he said, all authority has been given unto me, all power, and so serve me, and I'll take care of you. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and everything you need will be given to you. Come to me. If you're heavy burdened and laden, and I will give you rest. I'm like, Jesus, where's my rest? He's like, it's there. You just got to trust me. And so I'm feeling all this, and on top of that, I'm like, now I can't preach my message. It's Easter. What am I going to do? Everything's changed. Lord, have you ever been like that? I'm just talking and hollering to God. And I'm crying out to God. God brings me to where we're fixing to read. He said, you ain't the first preacher ever had to deal with trouble. Shut up and put some dirt on it. Get up. <laughs> you got to go lead them people. You got to go stand up for me. I'm like, God, I wish somebody else was the pastor this week. It's fun being the pastor when you baptize 19 people, but then when you got to work with them and some of them ain't easy to work with, it changes things quick, amen? <laughs> I'm just being honest. But listen what was going on in Habakkuk. Habakkuk, I'm going to just call him what I'm used to calling him. We'll call him Bubba. Listen to what he says. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. You ever saw a burden? I, I'm amazed he didn't say the burden which the prophet heard. He said the prophet saw this. This was what was going on. And look at what he says. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence. Have you looked at the news lately? You seen what's going on on the streets? And you will not save. How many of you have prayed for our country? Prayed for our situations that we find ourselves. Look what he says. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? Then look at what he says. For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Man, that, that sounds so familiar. That's so real in our lives from time to time. Seems like it's been like that for us for quite a while. And then look at what he says. Therefore, the law is powerless. And justice never goes forth. You hear everybody, Democrats accuse Republicans, Republicans accuse Democrats, and they have special investigations, and, but no one ever gets in trouble no more. No one's held accountable. They lie. You know they're lying. And they're so good at it, I believe they even think they're telling the truth. But friends, there is a God at work. He's not went anywhere. <laughs> but he says, therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. And man, I was like, that's where I'm at, God. Life sometimes seems unfair. 
But then God speaks. And this is what he told him. Look among the nations and watch. Look at what's going on in the world. Be utterly astounded. Not at what you see, not at all the corruption, not at all the ungodliness, not at all the stuff that breaks your heart, that brings restlessness into your soul, that troubles your spirit. Be astounded at me. About what? About what I'm fixing to do. (laughs) See, God's not up there wondering, what am I going to do with Putin and Ukraine? What am I going to do with that bunch up in Washington, D.C.? He wasn't worried about what he's going to do with that parking lot. One moment. He wasn't worried about me and my arm. You see, God already knows everything about us. The Bible says that a sparrow does not fall to the ground without him knowing it. That he knows every hair on every head. Man, I just helped him out. Amen. <laughs> We serve a God who does not sleep, who does not slumber, who's never been tired, who can do anything that he decides to do whenever he wants to do it just because of who he is. He's the Almighty. And guys, listen what he tells him. Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded for I will work a work in your days which... You would not believe, though it were told to you, if we knew what God's plans are for the next year for America, it'd probably blow our mind. But let me tell you, he's got a plan for this world he created. And just like he started it the way he wanted it to start and made it into what he wanted to make it be, and he's brought it this far, he's going to end it exactly when and how he wants it to end. And friends, I don't know about you, but our God is a God that is at work. Not sometimes, not most of the time, all the time. I want to talk to us what God showed me. God said, I'm always working, Marvin. In fact, I'm a God that's at work all the ways in your life. Just like Habakkuk, he's looking around, where are you, God? Don't you see what's going on? Don't you see how bad it is around here? Don't you see what we're going through? God said, just be utterly astounded. Look around and watch what I'm fixing to do. Because if you even had an inkling of what I'm fixing to do, he said, it would astound you. It would blow your mind. So I started looking and I began to, to read. And you know, the Bible says a lot about what God's doing, his works. Look what it says in Psalm 86. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. That's what the psalmist said. And look at what he says nor are there any works like your works. Have you ever thought about what God has done? We could stay here the next Sunday and it would be fun if we had enough spirit in us. Get revived and just talk about what God's done in our life. Just in this little crowd. He saved us. But since he saved us, he's done all kinds of things. Man, he healed my arm. I'm believing it. It's unbelievable. Look at that. I believe I could whoop somebody again. All nations of you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. That's the whole reason that he made everything. And I want you to think about this. From the beginning, everything's here. Me and you exist. The world is here because God was a God who looked around one day when everything was formless and void. There was no light. There was no light. It was just darkness. And God said, let there be light and went to work. And in seven days created everything. Listen to what the Bible says. When you get to Genesis chapter 2 verse 1, just listen to me for a minute. 
The Bible says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. God ended his work, which he had done. We didn't come here by an accident. It ain't from an explosion. We didn't evolve. We were created, amen, by Almighty God who started something, who's kept something going, and who will be with it always to make it operate the way he intended it to work. And look at what he says. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. He started out working. The psalmist says, When I consider your heavens, O Lord, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained and put in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? In the Son of Man that you visit him. He created the universe, not just the earth. He created the world, not just your little whole part of it. Yet, he's mindful of us. I want you to look at this verse with me. No other works like God's work. That verse that we looked at right there said, nor are there any works like your works. Look at what, I just want to remind you how much God is at work. Go take your concordance and Look at works, working, and look at how much God is working compared to us. Many, oh Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done. Man, I don't know about y'all. Since I've been here, I can look at y'all and see things that God has done in your life and in your families. I see things that God, if God wasn't here, just think where we'd be. If you took him out of the situation. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you, oh God, in order. If we tried to figure out everything that God has done for us, every wonderful work that he's done in our life, we couldn't even count them and put them in order. They'd be so many. I don't know how I organized your, how much a gift of administration you got. Nobody could keep up with the blessings of God. You can't count them all. Count your many blessings. He said, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. And that's what the Bible says. He said, well, that ain't true in my life right now. You saved? You can be. You breathing? You couldn't be. <laughs> I don't know about you, but my Bible says that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. I got up this morning, amen? I breathing. I got able to come here. And friends, listen to this. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. I don't know about y'all, but the more I look and the more I start looking, if you want to look at all the problems, he'll let you. And all the problems will just consume you. But if I want to get consumed, I want to get consumed by the goodness of God. How about you? I want to get consumed by a God who loves me, who's there to help me. And even when I get to feeling sorry for myself, even when I get to walk in by sight, even when I forget to walk by faith, even when I let all the things around me rob me, he's still there waiting for me to look up and quit looking around. Waiting for me to get in the Word and get out of the world. Waiting for me to just say, God, would you help me? And I don't know about y'all, he's always there. Because he's a sure and present help 
in a time of trouble. That's what the Bible says. It may not feel like it right now. It may not look like it sometimes, but it doesn't matter how you feel because his word trumps your feelings. His word is true whether you think it is or not because he's a God who does not lie and he's a God who cannot fail. And friends, I want you to see a couple things with me. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. That's what you ought to be doing. Instead of saying, Lord, look at what's going on. My gas cost $80. I had to get on my knees and pray when I left. I'm going to need counseling. <laughs> of all times, I went from a little Toyota 4 to a Hemi V8. Amen. But you know what? As long as I keep trusting God, he'll keep putting gas in that tank. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. See, what we ought to be doing is let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. You know, I, I got to reading these the other day and I came down here to this parking lot, big old hole full of water. I said, Lord, praise God. Look at here, that hole's little compared to the whole parking lot. <laughs> And you done do all this done, you, what is that to God? You see, if we can only praise God when everything's going good, when everything's easy, what kind of God do you have? You see, we got to learn to praise God at all times because God is never not working for your benefit to bless you, to help you, to be a benefit to you for his glory. And friends, you know, we fail miserably at this, but I want you to show you, out of all the things God is doing in the earth today, the greatest thing that God is doing is he's working salvation in the midst of the earth for everyone who's willing to realize they need it. And friends, it's cost a lot for God. And God is intentional and he's purposeful working in the midst of the Holy Spirit is hovering this morning. There's churches like ours everywhere with preachers that God's got a hold of and they're preaching his word. He's given us a Bible. He's given us the word. He sends his spirit and he's in churches all over the land today and he's offering salvation. But guys, listen, he has been doing that since the day of the fall. Think about what God did. Adam and Eve sinned. They worked and tried to cover their sin. They put leaves over it. God showed up and said, where are y'all at? We're hiding from you, God. Why are you hiding? Did you eat? Did you do what you wasn't supposed to do? And God took the skin of an innocent animal and he covered them. And ever since then, God's been providing sacrifices. Sacrifices. He created him his own people out of the only ones who lived from his judgment of the flood from Noah's family. From one of Noah's three sons came the airship that created a man named Abraham. And from the loins of Abraham, he chose Abraham. He looked to Abraham. He said, Abraham, if you'll come and follow me, if you'll go where I'm telling you to go, I'll bless you and I'll make you a mighty nation. And he did. He made him 12 tribes who became the 12 sons the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel and he created him a people and through that he's done did work and he's always pointed up to the greatest work that he's ever done and it's coming up next Sunday next Friday when Jesus the son of God was crucified on the cross of Calvary 
the greatest benefit that mankind has ever done was given out to us, and it didn't cost us anything, but it cost God his one and only son. It cost the son his life. And friends, God is at work. He's the king of all, and he's working out salvation in the midst of this place. In the midst of all that we see going on, God can even use the bad to work out good because he says all things work together for good for those of us who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing to the Philippian church in chapter 1. He who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Therefore, in second chapter, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you both to his will and his good pleasure. I don't know about you, but since I got saved, God's been in my life, amen? God's been doing things. God has been making a difference. And so as we look at this this morning, when Jesus showed up, what did Jesus do? Jesus came to the earth he said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. And you know what Jesus said when he came? God had a plan for the Messiah, but it wasn't the plan we all thought. Israel still looking for the Messiah because he isn't the Messiah they wanted. He was the Messiah God sent, though. And I want you to see what Jesus said. When Jesus was here, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not believe today that we're here because God's got a plan, that he's got to work? You see, this church is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. And this plan is bigger than man. It's God's plan. You know when he said that, what he was doing? They'd been walking all day. They were on their way back to Jerusalem. And he said, we must go through Samaria, a place where Jews didn't go. And he went way out of his way to go to a well in the middle of the day where a woman who was a sinful woman, who had a terrible life and who had made many a mistake, who probably thought there was no hope for herself. She went out in the middle of the day where nobody would be there because she was too ashamed to go early in the morning or late in the evening when all the other women would be there because they probably would have talked about her. We just heard it sung, the woman at the well. And Jesus sent him into town to go get food. And he said, I'm going to wait at the well. And this lady shows up, not by accident, by the design and plan of God. Because he's working out salvation where you least expect it to be at a well with a woman who's been married five times and lives with a man now who ain't her husband. And she shows up and Jesus strikes up a conversation, leads her into understanding knowledge that I am the Messiah. He who you look at, you drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. She dropped her water pot, went back to town, told everybody, let me tell you about a man who told me about everything I've ever done. She was so convinced that she convinced them and the whole town comes back. In the meantime, they're looking at Jesus. Do you want some food? He said, my food is to do what I'm doing. My food is to do the work of God and to finish his work. He says in verse 5, but Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now. And I have been working. If you look to looking around, God's working. You know what he wants you to do? The same thing Jesus did. Jesus showed up. He looked where the Father was working, and he joined him. God's working. He's working in your home if you'll let him. He's working in this church if you're willing to see it. And believe it or not, he's working in America today as much as he's ever worked. 
to save the lost, to make his name known to the ones who don't know who he is. But you've got to recognize his work and you've got to be willing to work with God. At the end of Jesus' life, this is what he prayed. In the 17th chapter of John, the night that he went to the, before he went to the cross, his last night with his apostles, Jesus was able to say to the Father, I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work which you have given me to do. Notice Jesus said, I didn't do what I wanted to do. I did the work you gave me to do. And friends, Jesus, what did he do? He went to the cross. He died. He left us the gospels, his teachings. And friends, listen, now there is a work to do. He is at work, and he's looking for those who will serve him. What is Jesus doing? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is building his church. He's not building just churches. He's building the church. And the church is made up of all the churches where he is Lord, where he's Savior, where he's recognized at who he is. I want you to see Jesus showed what he came to do. He was asked one day, he asked his disciples, verse 13, chapter 16, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And there was many different understandings and opinions, just like today. There's all kinds of different understandings of who Jesus is. Go talk to a Mormon. Go talk to a Jehovah Witness. Go talk to a Muslim. But the sad thing is, go talk to people in churches who have his name on them, and they'll not all give you the same answer but Peter gave an answer that wasn't Peter's answer see the work of God the father gave Peter this understanding look at what happens so they said some say John the Baptist some Elijah others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets and Jesus said but who do you say that I am and Simon Peter good old Peter answered and said you are the Christ that's the Messiah the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The fact that you're saved is the fact that God worked in your life. The fact that you can understand and know the gospel and believe it and have faith to live a life trusting Jesus is the fact that God has worked in you. He blessed Peter. Peter didn't figure that out on his own. God worked and showed it to him. And you know what Jesus said? The verse right of Peter said, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. That's the first time the church is ever mentioned in the word of God. It was mentioned by the Son of God. And may I tell you, the church is not built upon men, no matter what people tell you. It ain't built upon Peter. It's built upon what God put in Peter's heart and gave him understanding. It's built upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation. And Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. And you are the Son of the living God. And Peter said, and that's what I'm going to build my church. I mean, Jesus said, that's what I'm going to build my church upon. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to heaven. And what you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. And what you bound in heaven will be bound on earth. Friends, he gave us authority. He gave us the ability to represent him. And he's building his church today. 
You say, well, why ain't the church growing? Because you got to do it his way. You see, there's a verse from the Old Testament that says the Lord must build his church. You see, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And there's a lot of us building the church, doing it our way, trying to build it what we want. And God is at work in every church where Jesus is the Lord. He's the foundation. I want you to think about this with me. What is the work that God's doing to build his church? We're not here to build a church for Jesus. They're everywhere. There's a lot of people built a church supposedly for Jesus. We exist to build the church with Jesus. Jesus working through us by his word and his spirit and his example. And as we worship him as Lord and we trust him as Lord, we serve him as his servants and our Lord and we preach him as Savior, Messiah, and we proclaim him for who he is, and we unabashedly, unashamedly say, Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved. And we tell it, and we don't back down. We stand up, and we just, as best we can, let him be who he is. Let Jesus be Jesus, and he'll grow a church. Anywhere there's a people like that. I've been telling us that we have to be, what, healthy. And to be healthy, we have to be godly. And if you exercise yourself toward godliness and your spiritual healthy, guess who you're going to be like? Jesus. And Jesus said it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. So Jesus is discipling us. So what is Jesus' plan to grow the church? I'm going to show it to you right here. Building the church with Jesus the church built by Jesus' plan, what is it? Know Jesus personally and be saved. See, there's a lot of people who know about Jesus. You have intellectual knowledge of Jesus. You know what your mama told you about Jesus. But have you personally met him? And has he personally come into your life? Has there been a day where you said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I believe you are the Christ, the Savior of the world, you're the Lamb of God, the one and only who can take away the sins of the world. You are the prophet that we've all been waiting for, the coming one, the holy one. You are the Savior. And Lord, I'm trusting you with the most important thing I have, my soul, my eternity. I'm putting all of my eggs in the basket of Jesus Christ, and I'm believing you'll save me. When he saves a person, though, he doesn't just save them. He doesn't just become Savior. Now Jesus, the church he builds, is filled with people who know him not only personally, but they are disciples. They're disciples. They've been taught. They know his word. They've been taught his truth. See, what Jesus wants to do you, my friend, is not just save you from your sin and then you just stay like you are until you one day get to go to heaven. He saved you to come into your life, to personally be a part of your life, to come and help you to know who he is and what he's about. And when you take his word, especially his gospels, and you look at his teachings and you read them every day and you study them and you learn them and you say, Holy Spirit of God, help me. I see Jesus. What is your plan for my life? Teach me, Lord. Show me truth. He said, sanctify with them truth, with the truth. Thy word is truth. He separates us. He makes us different than the world. And he 
makes us into who he wants us to be, not us making him who we want him to be. We got it backwards. It ain't about what you want him to do. It's about what he wants you to do. And that's the church that changes the world, who represents Jesus. And Jesus will be in the midst, my friend, of that church. Because what he does, he saves you. He introduced himself to you personally. I remember when I met Jesus. When, I started, when Jesus started knocking on the door of my heart, I knew. When I let him in, life as I know, it's over. Repentance ain't an option. It's going to happen because he's awesome. He's mighty. You can't live for the world and go with him. That's why so many people have knowledge of the truth, but the truth ain't in their heart. There's people going to miss heaven by 18 inches because they got a lot of Jesus here, but ain't none of it ever got here. Because when Jesus gets in your heart, he begins to disciple you. He becomes Lord, and he begins to teach you. And as he's teaching you, what's he doing? He wants you to know his mission, his purpose, because he wants to send you out. <laughs> and guys, think about this. He saves you, then he disciples you, and when he gets you spiritually mature, and you understand what he is and who he's about, he sends you out. That's what he did his 12 apostles. The 12 apostles did that, and they've been sending people out ever since. I don't know about you, but if Christianity's boring to you, if church don't light your fire, get sent out with Jesus. <laughs> There's not anything boring about following Jesus. And so that's Jesus' plan to build the church. We're not here just to build parking lots. We're not here to build buildings and gather crowds. We're here to serve him and to win people to him. Friends, listen to this. We are his workmanship. The verse before that, us Baptists love it. For we are saved by grace through faith. Not of yourselves, for it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen, that's 100% true. We're saved by grace through faith. Where's faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Where are you going to hear the word of God when you're lost and going to hell and you don't have spiritual ears? You've got to have a preacher somewhere preaching it. You've got to have someone love you enough to tell you about it, show you about it, represent Jesus to you. And friends, that's what he is. Everybody he saves, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means God's at work in your life if you got saved. If he ain't working your life, maybe you ain't saved. If he ain't changing you and molding you and fixing and changing, and I don't know about you, but Jesus messes up my plans quite regularly. My agenda a lot of times ends up not being what I thought was his agenda. But friends, listen, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Good works that when did they come from? When we told God what we wanted to do for him and what we'd be willing to do? No, who God prepared beforehand. How long ago? In eternity past. God prepared already what he wants us to do as we work for him, that we should walk in them. I don't know about you, but it's an amazing thing to think that we are the workmanship of God. I can't help but to think about Israel, and he told old Jeremiah, go down there to the potter's house, Jeremiah, and go down there and I'm going to give you a word. I want you to go down there and I want you to look at what's going on at the potter's house. And Jeremiah said, I went down there and there was a potter and he had clay on the wheel and he was working the clay. And as he worked the clay, he began to form the clay. The clay was marred 
in the hands of the potter. So he didn't throw the clay away. He pushed on that old clay. He pulled that which wasn't supposed to be there. And he threw it away. And he began to continue to work on the clay. And God said, am I not like the potter? And is Israel not like the clay? And can I not mold Israel and make them into what I desire them to be? And friends, that's what he's wanting to do in every one of our lives. He wants to mold us. He wants to bless us. He wants to form us. What's he doing? He's working everything in your life together for good, for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, to make you do what? Conform to the image of of his son. That's what the next verse says. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. He doesn't want to leave us worldlings. He wants to mold us. And I thank God he does stuff. If he has to break your arm to show you that he has power to heal, if he has to put a bunch of water under a parking lot to show you that he can still provide, if he has to make your gas cost $5 a gallon to show you he's still able to sustain you. Because listen, what we get out of life is dependent on voting on November. Now, I'm not saying don't go vote. But what we get out of life is dependent on what we do with Jesus. And we are his workmanship. See, a church filled with people who are his workmanship is the church that God will build an awesome church. See, our mission is not to maintain and support a religious system. That's what most churches are doing. They're in survival mode and thriving ain't even on their horizon. God doesn't want us to just survive and get by. He wants us to thrive, not for us, for him. Not to make life easy, but to build and grow the kingdom and build the church. Friends, listen, our mission is not to rebuild a religious system, not build bank accounts and build buildings, although this could be part of it. But you can be doing all of this and not even be on the mission. The mission is to proclaim and make known a righteous Savior. There's a Savior that can save any sinner. He can save your backslidden grandchild. He can save your messed up home, your dysfunctional, messed up marriage. He can save it. He can repair it. He can come into your life and like the potter, take what's marred and mold it into something beautiful that he wants it to be. But friends, listen, not only are we here to proclaim and make known a righteous Savior, we're going to talk about it next week. We're also here not only to do that, but we're also here to proclaim and make known a living Lord. I don't know about you, but my God is not dead. My God is alive. Sometimes I wish he might leave me alone. My God's too alive sometimes. I'll be, Lord, why don't you let me alone? <laughs> he don't let me have as long a rope as some others, folks. <laughs> <clears throat> you know that far enough. He ever yanked you with that hook? <clears throat> he ever hit you with that staff? Because the Bible says if you be without correction, you're not his. 
that he chastens everyone who belongs unto him because he loves you, because he wants you to experience his holiness and his life. But not only are we here to proclaim and make known that there's a living Lord who he wants us to serve, but more than that, he's willing to take care of us. But we also need to understand that we need to proclaim and make known that there's a coming king. And that king is coming sooner than we think. You worried about everything going on right here? It's going on just like God's always let it go. (laughs) You think it's bad now? It's bad for Habakkuk. It's bad for a preacher now. It ain't never always been easy and it never will be. But because of Jesus Christ and his grace, it's possible to live a life that pleases him, to be saved. You can't save yourself. You can't disciple yourself. You can't make yourself spiritually mature. You can't produce spiritual fruit in your life. But if you get connected to the vine and let a branch, he said, you will be able to do things and bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But Paul said, that Jesus Christ, I can do all things. Friends, I want you to think about this today. Jesus is coming soon, amen. And when he comes, he's not coming to vote, to ask if he can be king. He's king. He's Lord. The question you need to ask yourself this morning, is he your savior? Why we're here, if we'll do what I just said, this church will grow on its own. That parking lot will get paid for. We'll fill this up. We'll get, God will bless what we need to do. If we need another building, get out of here because we don't want to have to move chairs. If God wants us to move chairs, we'll move chairs till God makes a difference. But you know what? It ain't about moving chairs. It ain't about growing. It ain't about filling up a building. It's about what? Telling people about the Savior. Helping people to grow and understand who he is as Lord and preparing them for the coming King. Jesus is coming, whether you believe it or not. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of God the Father. The Father is at work. The Son came. He did his part. The Holy Spirit right now is working on somebody's heart. I've been preaching long enough to know that there's somebody here that you know the Spirit's pulling on your heart. He's knocking on your door. The question is, are you going to let him in? Some of you let him in. He's your Savior, but you're not letting him be Lord. You're not being discipled. You're not growing. You're not serious about spiritual maturity. It's all about what God can do for you. It's all about what God can make your life the way you want it to be. But I promise you, if you'll say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Does that sound familiar? One day a kid, a boy named Isaiah, seen this king, seen him on his throne, high and lifted up. The first thing came out of his mouth was, oh, bless me, king. Oh, he said, oh, woe is me, because I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. He thought he was going to die. And the Lord reached down and does what the Lord does. He went to work. He took a hot coal. He told an angel, a seraph, take it down there and touch his lips. He touched what he recognized as sin. I'm a man of unclean lips. He said, your sin is atoned for. And Isaiah immediately said, here I am. Send me. When you get right with God, you're not wanting to make God do things for you. you got a burning desire to do things for him. Here I am, send me. Friends, the church house is looking and in need of people like that. That's God's plan. This morning, there's people right here that need to be saved. You're here today. You're at the right place. If you need to be saved, you just walk this aisle. We're going to share the gospel with you. Jesus died for you. He loves you. 
He gave his life for you. If you'll come willing to give your life back, say, Lord, as best I can, I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to turn. I want to trust you, Lord. He will change your life. He'll begin what I talked about today. He'll disciple you. He doesn't anywhere in the Bible call people who respond to his invitation of salvation as church members, as Christians. He calls them disciples. He wants you to come follow him where he can teach you. And man, he will teach you. He's the best there ever is. And then once you're taught, you'll be burning to go do something for him to send him. I love it when people tell me, oh, I'm going to sing for my first time or I'm going to preach for my first time. I don't know what God's doing, but I just feel he's like, it's scary, ain't it? But at the same time, ain't it exciting? And friends, Jesus wants to do stuff in our lives today. I'm going to pray a prayer. They're going to start singing a song. Are we going to work with God? If he's calling you to be saved today, I'm inviting you to come. Right now, he'll save you. He'll forgive you. Not only will he forgive you, but he'll change you. He'll help you to become the person that you know you should be. And then he'll use you for his glory. Father in heaven, I have shared what you put on my heart. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me for, for forgetting so easy. It ain't about all these things around here. It's about the call of God on my life. That you saved me one day and you called me out. You gave me the awesome privilege, the burden to preach your gospel. To pastor your people. And, Lord, it's about me teaching and showing them who you are. And, Lord, as you reveal yourself to them and teach your truth to them, Lord, when they are where they're supposed to be with you, you'll send them out. Lord, I thank you for people you've brought in here that serve in many different places in this little church. But, Lord, I believe this is just the beginning of your work, that you have a great plan, a great purpose you want to do a work here and that many souls could be saved and many lives could be changed Lord there may be one right now as I speak if there is one help them to come and be saved and help those of us who are saved to follow your work in our life and be your workmanship in Jesus name we pray amen as we stand if you need to come come while you can he's calling you he loves you he'll save you